Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Dennis. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's up? Good morning. Welcome to Off the Bench. Danny Cannell, Raja Bell, hanging yeah. out. Um, riding in this morning. Got a couple texts. People are saying my father-in-law and my brother-in-law both went to Ohio State. Yeah. So all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up, and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, I have no idea. What are you talking, are you about? talking about? Find out Urban Meyer decided to step down uh, from Ohio State as the head coach after the Rose Bowl when they play Washington. I would say I'm surprised but not shocked okay. by this decision. Like, I was doing a bunch of stuff with the college football playoff because the announcement was Sunday. A bunch of different radio stations across the country had me come on and break down the college football scene. And I had a couple of them ask me, what you do you think Urban Meyer comes back? Right. And this was after the Michigan game. I was like, yeah, I think he does. He beat Michigan. They're a one-loss team. Then after the game, I'm thinking, oh, they won the Big Ten. Like, they were this close to getting the playoff. I said, yeah, he probably stays there. So I, I, that would have been my guess. So I'm, that's why I'm surprised. But when you start taking inventory of everything that played out over the course of this season and over the course of his career with his health issues, I'm not that surprised. Look, health is 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 – is paramount, right? Like it's it's all you have at times. And so, um, having said that, if you've ever coached anything at a really high level, look, forget a high level. Try coaching like a, a, a very competitive youth sport. Yeah, it, it does take its toll, and people would laugh, but it does. Like you would leave a tournament and really feel stressed out and a little overwhelmed at times. So trying to trying to run a program like Ohio State or Florida or something like that, being under the spotlight uh, in the microscope all the time, pressure to win, millions of dollars on the line, for a guy who's already dealing with very serious health issues, um, they just exacerbate it. It'll exacerbate it that much more. So it's not surprising to me. Like I, I Once I found out that he had this tumor, it was inoperable, you could see him on the sideline this year a lot of Maryland times. Maryland game specifically. Yeah. The game where it was like, oh, Correct. He looks awful, and he what? Like you know, a coach that's as invested as he is, that this hand on, hands on, as he is on the sideline. And there were multiple times in that Maryland game when there were critical situations, and he wasn't even talking to the team. He was off trying to gather himself and had his hands on his hands. He was bent over in pain. Yeah, thinking, oh man, this is really serious. Like you read about it, it's one thing, but to see him in pain on the sideline was like, oh, this might be that serious. But then he was fine. Like then he was fine in the Michigan game. Right. I didn't see him in, in panic there. I didn't see him like look that bad in the Northwestern game. So I'm thinking maybe it's something manageable that he's able to take care of. Clearly he doesn't, but it does make me wonder how much is health and how much is the stressful relationship that he has with the president and the athletic director after they made him take a three-game suspension and you could tell when he read that apology he didn't want to be doing that he did not want to be doing it he didn't think he did any anything wrong and i think he was still upset about i think that definitely has played some part in this decision right i just don't know exactly how much um so i was one of the people that thought it was a bad look the first time when he left when he left florida uh, and he cited health reasons and then he went to some network for a while and then he popped back up on the sidelines like you kind of ran florida into the ground a little bit and then you dipped out and then, so I thought that was a bad look. Um, if in fact, and there's no way to know that this isn't purely health related, mm-hmm. then I would be off of the Urban Meyer. I'm not on the bandwagon, but right. I would be off of him as a person because you're leaving a lot of people holding the bag when you do that once. When you do it twice and that's your MO, then I gotta be out. So that brings to the next, I, was, I think I was more surprised that they named Ryan Day the next head coach. Really? Right away. Yeah. 
Like I wouldn't have been. Well, they have a they have a sample size of. of they do. Yeah, he was undefeated. Three right. L was seamless transition without Urban Meyer. But this is Ohio State, right? Like they could have opened this thing up, and they would have had the pick of pretty much any coach they wanted, aside from Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. Like they might have. Well, been able give to me pull some names. Who? But see, here's the the names that were rumored were guys like Matt Campbell, young up and coming Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Okay, doesn't do much for you, right? No, Scott Satterfield, who was just hired by Louisville. Stop. But I mean, they could have. I'm trying to think of a name they could have gone after, like a John Harbaugh, who's probably going to get let go. From, All right, now those you know, move the from, needle for me from the Ravens. But I don't know if he. I don't even know if he wants to go back and coach college. But those younger names, I mean, why not? Why not well, the see, kid Ryan the Day then? Right that's, when you've had a prolific offense, this exactly. Year. And that's he has been himself a name that's been banned about every time there's a head coaching job is maybe he leaves Ohio State. So I think it impacts, obviously it has a big impact on this program, but you know what I think it impacts a lot is Dwayne Haskins yeah. because he's got a really tough decision to make. He had an incredible year. He's going to go to New York for the Heisman Trophy, which we're going to talk about later. What decision? But does he bounce? Bro, what decision? <laughs> like what decision? What are you talking about? What decision? So, I think it comes down to a year of no quarterback. There are no quarterbacks in the draft. I'm, sure. There are none out there. There are two, but they don't know how high they're going to go. I think he has, especially his finish yeah. in the Michigan game. I think he's probably going to get a top ten pick, like grade. Like yeah, he'll be in the first the first ten picks. In the sure. Draft. Then I say it's peace out. Time to go. I hear what you're saying though, but yeah. but. If I'm in his camp, dude, that's a no-brainer. Get through that what bowl game what healthy. What if he wants to play and win a national championship at Ohio State? Then you'd be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> From a financial perspective. Yeah, you'd be you stupid. Because you, you go out there and you get hurt. Don't load up on insurance. Uh, uh, insurance. Well, yeah. Why not just load up on the real money? <laughs> yes, that's, that's a fair point. You could load up on the real money. That's right. what he should do. Uh, the other thing, too, that's uh, in overall in this is that – so in Ryan Wilson's latest mock draft, he was with CBS Sports HQ. He has the Giants drafting Haskins at seven. Good enough. That's good. good. 20 mil in the <laughs> bank Correct. as opposed to uh, that paper that's going to be uh, – you know if you get hurt. You know what you do? What? You take that 20 million, you drop, I don't know, 50 grand yeah. on a real nice ring. <laughs> like they would take place at an impossible record, Yeah. Big 10 passing records. All of that. records, mm-hmm. my accomplishments at Correct. Ohio State. There you go. The other thing that I think is going to be interesting – and I don't think it happens right away, but I don't think Urban Meyer's done. Really? He's only 54. Like, I think you look at him, he still yeah, but- has a large window. I wouldn't be surprised if he does the same thing he did last time, steps away, catches his look. breath. It would be, be a, a bad really look bad look. It would be a bad look. But, what, what if, what, but the tumor doesn't go anywhere, though. Like it's, no, it's, but it, apparently it is stress-related. So here's what wouldn't surprise me at all, because these coaches have football in their blood, right? Right. Really sure. Like I can respect that. I mean, what if he comes back something like – I think some people are saying, oh, in USC, he could come back. I don't think he takes a job of that magnitude, although there would be a lot less stress playing in the Pac-12 right. than there is in the SEC or Big Ten. It's mm. just not as stressful. What if he goes somewhere smaller, like a, you know, a group of five school and just wants to coach? Now, if you, I don't know how his ego would look, deal with that if he would do that, but if he loves coaching and just wants to be a part of it, it wouldn't surprise me if he went somewhere and did that. He doesn't strike me as the type of dude that just – I mean, I know he loves coaching, but I think he loves coaching and he loves being on the biggest stage and vying for national championships because I, I don't see him coaching at like a Youngstown State. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. and, and just saying this is where I'm going to be because I just love to coach football and I'm and, and that's enough for me. Like his alpha type of personality, they always want more, right? They're yes. trying to win the next big thing. Um but if he were to take one of those kind of legacy type of gigs where he was just at like your local, yeah. like, and, and he just said, I love coaching, I would respect that and fine. Uh, me too. It would say to me like, yes. But it if, was, so you're saying if he waits a year 
If he uh, shows so up at USC, fired oh, dude, and he's terrible look. Lining up. Terrible yeah, look. I'd never be able to. Damn, six million a year. No, no, no. Good for you. Talent out there. Good for you, it's Urban. Just, what, his but legacy I, has taken a, uh, a pretty good beating this past yeah. uh, year and a half. Uh, the, I think the biggest reason they did it, and this is what most people are surmising, that it was about recruiting. Why they did it now, the early signing period comes up in two weeks, and the continuity in the staff uh-huh. tells recruits, Hey, Urban Meyer was recruiting you, but all these other guys are going to be there. We're going to keep the same staff in general. But I do th- also think that Ryan Day's got a tough decision to make on Greg Chiano because that defense has not been very good. There's right. no reason, you know, why they aren't as dominant and in the chance in the playoff because their defense hasn't been that good. The de- and they've been, they've got talent. Like they've got the stars, if you will, like those five stars, blue chip kids. They're out there. Right. And to your point, like it's just not producing. So that wraps up the Ohio State situation. It'll be interesting to see how this impacts their performance in the Rose Bowl, if at all. I think they'll still rally. I think it'll be yeah. fine for Ryan Day, but I do wonder how long he lasts and how long Urban Meyer lasts off the field. Monday Night Football last night. How deep do you want to dive into this game between the uh, Eagles and Redskins? Uh, at the very shallow end of the pool. Like, let's <laughs> wade into it. Because I think it's two teams yeah. that are going to be irrelevant the back half of the season. I know they're going to tease some some Eagles fans. we like, hey, we can make a run. I think yeah. the Cowboys have that division on lock. And uh, obviously what happened, the Redskins losing to Colt McCoy and having Mark Sanchez in there is not going to do much for their uh, chances either in the NFC East, so they look pretty much done. But it was good to see Wentz uh, get back on track. He had a pretty good game there. You know what I thought was interesting? Sorry to interrupt. What? Mark Sanchez a week and a half ago yeah, working out in Southern California yes, and looked like like a kid just like eating all the candy, sitting up there doing the like starting quarterback press conference after the game. Yes. Like it's <laughs> crazy. I was in a situation like Were that. you? I was out. So I was trying to get uh with the Denver Broncos and I had made the team as the third guy. Right. And I thought I had made the team. Last cuts come around. Mm-hmm. I get the phone call. I'm like, what just happened? I thought I won the third quarterback job. Right. So Mike Shannon calls me into his office and he says, we're going with two quarterbacks. Mm. He said, but if anything happens, those two stay close by a phone. We're going to come back and we're going to call you. Sure. You're, you're our guy. You're our third guy. You're just not going to be a part of the team. You're just be a so third guy like, over there. Coach, thanks a lot. Right. Appreciate that. So I go back, fly home, bummed. Like I'm like, man, I thought I was getting this opportunity. Right. My job back. Week two of the season, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Just gotten back from the beach, like a nice little run on the beach. I'm watching games un- unfold. Yep. Jake Plummer hurts his shoulder, goes down in the first half. They were playing the Chargers. Uh, Ted Sunquist, the GM of the Broncos, called me at halftime. Yeah. Said, get on a plane. We'll get you out here. Cause they knew it was, they needed a backup. Then sure. Like, uh oh. Sure. So then I got back. Then like three weeks after I was back in Denver, mm-hmm. I was the backup. Steve Berline breaks his finger. I was playing against the Minnesota Vikings. Same deal. Like it just three or four weeks before yeah. I was sitting on the beach. Fantastic. Like I working out, come back in to do that. Yeah. So, uh, it was a pretty cool story there for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty cool for Mark Sanchez. <laughs> for chance. Like if you or wonder, Colt. Yes. Yes. If you wonder if your career is open, there's nothing worse than like being sitting around like, I don't know, to get that opportunity is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aaron Rodgers, yesterday we heard the Mike McCarthy news. He got fired from the uh, Green Bay Packers. Oh. You and I wondered, and we talked a little bit about this, would Aaron Rodgers have a say in the head coach? No, hire? no, no. We didn't wonder. You said that he should I have said a he say, should, and, and I said, said that he, he should, should not. not have a say. Do you think LeBron should have a, a say in who the Lakers no. hires their head coach? No, I think I think – Le- LeBron should be like it should be run up the flagpole to some degree, but he should not have a say. He should be looped in to what you guys decide. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be blindsided by the pick. Let's put it that way. Right. Which is what I'm saying for Aaron Rodgers, but I would even take it to a next step because I think, and I think I would say the same thing about LeBron. These players are more valuable and mean more to the franchise than any head coach. Then let them run it. 
<laughs> so that you can't. It's like, give him the job. Like, but that's why I think LeBron, actually, you could give him a player. But he's coach. terrible at, 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 being, at, at being the GM. So, like, but he's awful. Don't you think that relationship matters, like, a lot? The coach-player relationship? Yes. Yeah, but that's your job. Like, Aaron look at Rogers. why Mike McCarthy was run off, because him and Aaron Rodgers didn't get along. So do you really want to create another situation like that? Why not go at least have him input, say, hey, these are the three guys that I like. And then see if you like them, too, if you can come to an agreement on them. I don't think Aaron Rodgers should make the hire, but I do think he should be consulted heavily on who they go with. Look, I believe that, again, an Aaron Rodgers or a LeBron James should be in the loop. LeBron James more so than Aaron Rodgers because LeBron James has multiple championships and continues to drag whatever group you give him to a championship. I can't say the same for Aaron Rodgers with all due respect. Right. But you can't let them, you can't let them make the call. You have to trust if you're ownership. That the general manager that you've put in place can identify the type of personality and the type of system that will work with an Aaron Rodgers or LeBron James and trust. What about personalities though? You don't think they should talk and at least see if they can have a good relationship? Like, and I'm talking, like, no, but I, I'm doing what's best. Look, and I used to be like, I, 20 years ago, I would have said, no way, there's no chance. But the money, the way the money has gotten so big and the impact that the players have so much more on a team than the coaches. I understand what, I, think I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying, like, again, I don't want Aaron Rodgers to be blindsided by this, right? right? Um, and maybe we have a conversation about it. Like, what, what I always said that ha- what happened in Cleveland when I was there, to my knowledge, unless something else happened behind closed doors with David Griffin and LeBron, was that we would sit in these front office meetings with all of our analytics guys and our basketball people, and we would discuss what we wanted to do with, let's say, the JR and Amon Shumpert trade. And we'd, we'd hash it out. We'd go over it on the whiteboard. Like These guys would get up there with their beautiful minds. I would tell the basketball side of it. We'd all vote on it. Then we'd decide, okay, here's what we're going to do. You take that to LeBron. We already have made our decision what we want to do. And you just want to get a put your finger on the pulse of it, right? Yeah. Like put your toe in the what water. What if he says, I hate put it? Put your toe in the water. Well, I mean, if he hates it, then that's a different story. Maybe right. that tells you something. But you're certainly not going to him saying... Hey, dude, what do you think we should do? Like, who do you want? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so you got to kind of trust your staff to do their job. But I'm with you in that you don't want to bring in a guy that's completely right. juxtapositioned to like the type of dude that, that right. Aaron Rodgers is. Like Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be finding out on Twitter who the next No, absolutely not. It's a bad look for your front office and for your franchise for your star to find out on Twitter. So I'm very curious to see who they go with. Vegas has put some odds out. Pat Fitzgerald, head coach at Northwestern, leader in the clubhouse. Really? It's shocking to me. I just think he's a, and he's a great college football coach, but I think that's what he is. Right. Josh McDaniels, after the fiasco where he was going to leave, then he went back to the Patriots. I think that was a deal that the Patriots have in place so that McDaniels will take over for Bill Belichick down the road. Brian Dayball was at Alabama. John Harbaugh coming over from the Ravens. Jim Harbaugh. Like, these to me are completely long shots. The field at minus 300 is probably the smart money. Here's what I do know from that experience with LeBron, right, and having David Blatt in place. And I was consulting with the Cavs at the time. I wasn't, you have to bring in for a LeBron or an Aaron Rodgers. Um, who can be very demanding. They know uh, what they do like better than anyone, um, have a great feel for it, not always the easiest to coach. Right. You have to bring someone in with some cachet, with some immediate like equity. Like If you bring a, a young, almost the same age as Aaron Rodgers guy who's not done anything in the NFL, that's a recipe for disaster. You have to bring someone in there who said, I've worked with Tom Brady. Yeah. I've worked with Bill Belichick. Right. Let me tell you how this works. We've won this many championships. Then you get some immediate buy-in, right? LeBron was the same way with David Blatt. We brought him from Europe um, to coach a team, and he was great in Europe. But LeBron's looking at him like, who is this dude? I'm great in the NBA. You're great in Europe. Like, what can you tell me? You know? Right. So you got to bring in someone who's got a heavy enough hand and a heavy enough resume to demand that kind of respect. And I don't think 
Aaron Rodgers is easy to coach because oh. I think he is smart. Yeah. I think he does want to know why, and he wants to have some freedom and leeway at the line of scrimmage, which is part of today's game. Yeah. And that's, but that was a big cause of dissension between him and Mike McCarthy is that he wanted to do his own thing and he wasn't willing to listen. I think with more contemporary style of offense, when they're a little bit more innovative, mm-hmm. Aaron will be all right with that, but you just don't know. And I think he is a strong personality, which I think will be interesting to watch. How much of Mike's stuff was he changing at the line? Do you imagine? That's, like really, realistically. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. But if you yeah. like, traditionally, there's a lot of plays that are built in with audibles, okay. right? If you get this defense, then you check to this play. Mm-hmm. Every offense has them. That happens all the time. Like, you just go, you're dictating the defense gives us this, we're going to run right. this play. Historically, you do not change the call if it's not coming in from the head coach. Now, that was me, a younger quarterback. Older in your career, you could do it on your own. Yeah. You better be throwing touchdowns if you do. They better work. I would say maybe two times a game, I would excuse it. Yeah. All right, twice a game. But if it's a crucial third down and six, fourth quarter, and you're thinking, this is the play I want, you're the head coach. Problems. And Aaron Rodgers says, nah, I don't like that scheme. I'm going with this. Then it becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how bad it had gotten there. All right, take a break. We're going to come back to some NBA. Steph Curry is back. Mm -hmm. He's getting compared to a rookie in this league. Actually, the rookie. Baby Steph Curry? Yeah, we might have one. We'll tell you who next and off the bench. Honestly, it's getting old to be honest. I mean, again, he's his own player. Just like when I was a rookie, Steve Nash's name was thrown out there a lot. Uh, you take that with respect and understand it's flattering, but at the end of the day, that's not going to carry you through your league. It's, it's what you do with the opportunity you have in front of you. So. All right, so that's Steph Curry, obviously talking about Trey Young, young rookie on the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Do you think he was salty? Do you I, think yeah. he's salty at the comparisons? I think so. He feels disrespected a little I bit? I thought last year watching Trey Young at Oklahoma, yeah. I thought he his game did look pretty similar. Like, I thought he's a shooter. He has range for days. Yeah. Now, clearly, you're not saying he is Steph Curry, but there are some similarities there where I don't think if you're Steph, you're like just shaking it off. Like, why can't you just compliment the kid and be like, hey, that was an incredible player. Like, I see the similarities. Good luck to him. I want to say, because I know, that's why I asked you, did you think? Because I know Steph pretty well, and I want to say that Steph is saying that <laughs> in his own to, way. To, yeah, to alleviate some pressure from, from Trey Young, right? Like, it's not, it's just not fair to, to Trey Young. Let him be his own brand, right? Like, let him be the first Trey Young and not the next Steph Curry. Like, I, I want to say that Steph's trying to say that, but it did come across like Steph was a little annoyed by the fact yes. that someone would be, have the audacity to compare Trey Young to him. While I do agree with you, very similar styles of game. Um, and look, they got the stats up there, right? Like yep. through, through your first 24 career games, Trey is outpacing him in points, 15.8 to 11.3, um, and assists, seven, seven and a half a game for Trey Young and four and a half for, uh, for Steph Curry. Here's what I'll say to that. I was with Steph in that rookie campaign. He was injured a lot. He was very rarely like the best version of himself from a health perspective and he probably didn't have as much health there were a lot of young players uh, out there atlanta does as well but i think atlanta's got a better cast supporting cast than uh than we did with the golden state warriors it almost seemed like he had fatigue from getting the question and i don't know if it's specific to getting it about trey young or anytime there's a good player who makes a bunch of threes that everybody goes to steph and said hey this kid is the next you no but that's what he's annoyed it's not really making i don't think i've heard that many guys compared to steph curry there are a lot of kids that make a lot of threes they're guys that come into the league but i think you're talking about for a lot look you're talking about skin tones you're talking about stature and you're talking about style the way they play like the you know the electricity with the ball the bounce back into really super deep threes with a very quick like release like the whole thing resembles Steph Curry so while you could be fatigued hearing it the fact is the kid looks like you 
Right. And he plays like you. Right. Yeah. Right. So don't just answer the question. Right. Just, you can at least fake it. Yeah. Come on, Steph. I, maybe who knows? Maybe he's annoyed. Maybe he missed the shot in the right. fourth quarter. And he wasn't happy with it. He was still upset about it. So there was a story that came out from the Athletic. Mm-hmm. It talked about the. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. David West put a tweet out after they won the championship last season. I do. And was like, man, you guys don't know the half of it. And we all assumed, or at least I did, that it was some internal dissension. stuff. Yeah. yeah, like you guys don't even know how much we were fighting. Like how many di- right, personalities right, right. are in here not getting along. And it turned out that in the back end of the season, March last year, there was a meningitis scare from one of their uh workers at a hotel was like serving food and had meningitis. So they were all like on pins and needles throughout the back half of the season. I could imagine like somebody gets sick. You're like, uh-oh, like quarantine them. Correct. Away. Because being in a locker room is a very unique place. You are confined. It is like a family situation. Like you have young kids. I have young kids. Yeah. If one of them gets sick, you're like, here we go. Yeah. We're all getting sick. <laughs> yeah. And it works that way to some extent in the locker room because you're using the same showers, you're using the same stuff. Like sicknesses go throughout a locker room all the time. Sure. Um, and to, like, I think when I was, when I was hearing about it, they were saying that they had to move practice facilities and they had to change. What, what I take from that is the way it would affect your team on a large scale is if you had to like change your whole routine. If everything about your day to day was changed, practice facility changed. Um, you have to change, you know, kind of where you, where hotels you stay in. If you have to change the food catering company, like if you start changing major things about the way professional athletes day to day go, um, you could get a varied result. Like you could start losing games. It could very easily start to affect you. I don't know that the general public knows just how much of a creature of habit that your, 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 your athlete is. Right. You know what I mean? Like yes. your day Very is relatively structured. scripted every day. Almost to the minute. To too. the minute. Like, yes. I have like, an hour, 60 minutes here to yourself, but a lot of times that schedule from the morning, you, the minute you wake up until the minute you go to bed, it's laid out for you, which is the reason why guys struggle when they get out of the league. No doubt. What, what are you going to do? do? With my time. Cause yeah. nobody's there to tell them about it. Uh, I always thought like I was always very, particular like because they would also have the razors out in the locker room sure. like the big old jug of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I, was, I was like i don't know if i want to use like i don't want to dive into those they're supposed to be new right you never know it takes that one guy to go oh this thing still looks pretty good yeah. put it right back in <laughs> i always wore my shower shoes yeah a lot of guys didn't yeah you know because you could see athletes foot sure, totally run through a locker room at florida state we did this thing with looking back on it was probably pretty nasty right outside the shower they had like a little thing that you step into it was like a little plate and it was just was like three inches of baby powder. Really? Everybody would your go out. Feet? Yes. Everybody would go out and step in them. Uh. And I did a couple times and I yeah. was like, hold on a second. A lot of feet like, going in that cesspool. Yeah. Of feet going like 110 dudes. Every time they come in from the field, they're going in that thing. I'm like, that's not for me anymore. Um, then the, yeah, that's pretty. I don't know that I would partake. I, I probably guilty once or twice about going in with no shower shoes. Like if I couldn't find them and they right. were in my locker, just sneaking in yeah. real quick. I want to go home. Around. Um, the, the hot tubs and the cold tubs. I always thought had had a chance to be pretty gross. Like, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? You still had to use them. Like, there was no way around it. But. I don't know about you, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I heard this dude telling some stories about what went down this weekend. I'm staying out of the hot tub with that guy, not even going anywhere near it. Uh, so the, the Warriors look a little bit better. Uh, they get the win over the Hawks. There are some other teams that are making some interesting moves. Sure. Uh, the Nuggets beat the Raptors. Pretty move, uh, big move last night. Do you think Denver's a real contender? Um, real and like, can they beat the Warriors? Oh, can they make a, can they win around the playoffs? No, they're real. They They are real. They They, can do some damage. They've got a great combination of like youth and veteran like leadership with Paul Millsap. 
Nikola Jokic with another triple double last night against the Raptors. They, you know, that was a really good litmus test for this Denver team, right? To see, like, the Raptors are one of the best teams in the NBA right now and playing like it. Um, and they went on the road to Toronto, which is a tough place to play for a lot of reasons. You talk about changing your schedule, like, you have to clear customs there, like, you have to go through the airport. These are yeah. things that NBA teams don't normally have to do. And it's a fun nightlife. And, yeah, and they're, yes, you can <laughs> get into some stuff. With. So, uh, good, really good backcourt, Gary Harris and, uh, the kid from Kentucky, Jamal Murray. Um, they've got some pieces. Uh, Juan Hernan Gomez is having a really good season. They defend the heck out of you and they can score the ball. So yeah, dude, in a Western conference right now, especially Danny, that's like not great. Yeah. Let's be real. It's not great aside from, you know, probably the, the Golden State Warriors when they're firing on all cylinders hasn't been this light em up Western conference that we thought it was going to be. Well, there are two teams I wanted to talk about because they played each other. And one of them, I think, has been one of the bigger disappointments. That's the Houston Rockets. But they played against the T-Wolves last night. The T-Wolves got the win, and they're 8-3. and three, So their record is up to 500 since they got rid of Jimmy Butler, sent him to the 76ers. Yeah. To me, it's not surprising at all because as good of a player Jimmy Butler wa- uh, is, it just wasn't fitting. And I think it speaks more to, to character and chemistry where if there's something that's not working, yeah. it's going to play out in the court. And I'm talking about personalities, and clearly it wasn't. Now that that's gone, these guys can play a little bit. Now, I just, I just don't want to say this team is going to make a deep run. I still don't think that. I think I agree with Jimmy Butler when you kind of hear him hinting at their soft. And right. Like, I agree with him on that. But I think they can still be a really good team because they have so much talent. So I agree with you, and it's addition by subtraction for the personality. Here's what I like about them right now. Their defensive rating is since the Jimmy Butler trade is third in the league, and opponent's effective field goal percentage is third in the league. That tells me uh, that Tom Thibodeau is coaching the team truly to his DNA. They're going to be a defensive team. Now, yeah, the jury's out um, on whether Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are made from the stuff that it takes to win in the playoffs. But they can change that narrative, right? Like they, the, the narrative was that they weren't. They can change it. They've got the opportunity. They've just got to go out there and do it. And games like last night, down 16 to a team that is super, super high-powered offensively, to come back uh, in the second half shows a level of intestinal fortitude that most people didn't give them credit for having. So, uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler's been great in, in Philly. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, like it's not like anyone, they were just a personality clash. Sometimes you have to get rid of that. Yep, it's worked out for everybody. Where it isn't working is in Houston because they are, they're, I, see, I thought they were the team that everybody thought they got so close to last year and then Chris Paul gets hurt to knocking off the Warriors. Yeah. And then this year they're below 500. Uh, it's just, they feel to me like there should be a level of concern like, oh, this team is not anywhere close to the team they were last They're year. They're not, and there's no recapturing the mojo that they had last year. This is like a quarterback, like a Dak Prescott, a Lamar Jackson, a different kind of quarterback, right? Like a, a, a you know, a, a Mike Vick, if you will. You don't have a lot of film on him. That's what the Rockets were last year, right? They were running this essentially no offense. They were just going high pick and roll. They had the floor space. Team didn't really know how to deal with 100% of the game just being either ISO or high pick and roll. Teams went back all summer. Um, they got personnel to, to, to deal with that. And they figured out game plans to counter that. And you see it playing out on them right now. Like offensively, they're not very good. And defensively, the loss of Luke Mbamute, Trevor Ariza, although I understand you don't match the money that, that Phoenix threw at Trevor Ariza, it really hurts. And they haven't found pieces to replace those guys. So defensively, they're struggling. So I, uh, our guy Reed Forgrave, who we have on our CBS uh, Sports HQ NBA guy, he put out a tweet. I asked Chris Paul what his concern level is with his team under five. 
500 more than a quarter in the season, just blew the 19-point lead. He said, quote, I'm still not that concerned. Somebody's got to beat us four out of seven games. I don't see that happening. I do. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? That's what you want to say, but sure. I think you've got to. I think this is the problem with good teams that have a lot of talent. Sometimes they don't have that sense of urgency, and I'd rather hear him say, you know what? We haven't been playing well. We have to get better as opposed to, eh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. That to me is concerning if you're Mike D'Antoni. Well, look, I would love to see them be able to do it. There's only one guy who I, whose teams I trust to be able to go through a whole season, like in BS mode and flip it. And that's LeBron. Right. That's the only dude I've ever seen do it. Like Kobe didn't even do that. Like, cause right. Kobe wouldn't allow his teams to be BSing through the regular season. Right. LeBron's the only dude who I've seen, like, actually tell you like dude it's not really that important we're going to flip the switch and do that so i would caution anybody else thinking they were going to do that. and right now i know there are a bunch of teams that are bunched up around the same record but they're sitting at 13th in the western conference so they wouldn't have that yeah, opportunity dude, to play a same game. get in first yes, and then start telling us nobody can beat you right all right you said you wanted a heisman trophy vote right yeah all right, i want to hear who you would have voted for next and you better come up with the right guy really, <laughs> off the show you're losing yeah. your vote i'm getting kicked off of my own yeah. show with you <laughs> yes, yes. That's off next. the bench with danny cannell see ya so yesterday, yep. by 3 o'clock, I had to have my Heisman vote submitted. Really? Now, a lot of people submitted theirs before the weekend. Mm-hmm. 10% of the voters. There are 870 voters. When is it? Next weekend? Way too many. It's next Saturday. Yeah. Saturday, they give out the award. Last night, they announced the uh, three finalists. No surprise. Tua Tonga-Valoa, Kyler Murray, and Dwayne Haskins. Right. No surprise there whatsoever. It's 870. 870 voters. It's like a country club. Do they keep letting people in? Do I have to get like a sponsor? I, so I, don't, I, don't, I was looking at that because to Background me it seems check. like they, there are way too many. They should cut it down to 300. Yeah. Like, and it's not even like there are a lot of people that don't even watch that much college football. Correct. Oh, it's like, Correct. hey, here you get to vote. Yeah. You get to vote. So I'm going to get you on there. We're going right. to get you a Heisman vote <laughs> so you can pay attention and get in there. But submitted my yesterday. 10% yeah. of the voters submitted them before the weekend, which I think you should lose your vote. Absolutely. For championship weekend. Yeah. Especially, it wasn't a year, I know Tua played awesome, it was not a year where there was this runaway and you could do it early. You needed to see what happened on championship. I think it it affected my vote. It affected that vote. Rajah Bell, you have a Heisman vote, hypothetically. Yeah. Who would your vote have gone to? You vote one, two, three. Um, oh, geez Louise. Vote one, two, three. So I, Dwayne Haskins, I think, I'm going to be... Whoa! No, 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 no. His numbers are just off the charts with the passing yards, the 45, 80 passing yards, uh, 47 touchdowns to eight interceptions. But I don't know why he didn't feel like like one of the favorites to me. I think he's number three for me, right? Yep. Going into the weekend, I had Kyler Murray at number two because I couldn't overlook just how almost perfect Tua had been uh, when I watched him. But over the weekend... Watching Tua struggle a little bit, and he wasn't healthy, uh, but watching him hold on to the ball, not give off of it, a couple picks in that Heisman-ish moment that you were talking about, right? Yes. And watching Kyler Murray go off again, my vote goes to Kyler Murray. I So the odds we're putting up here now from Bet Online going into the weekend, Tua Tonga-Valoa was a minus 500. Yeah. Favorite. So Vegas is telling you that most people they agree like with me. you yeah. switched. Good for you. I had it coming down to the weekend too. Yeah. Try to figure out. I'm not supposed to tell who my vote is. Right. But if you had it coming down to the last games, it's not even close. Not close. It's not even close because Kyler Murray, here's why I kind of given Kyler Murray the edge even before the weekend it played out. Two has been awesome, but I do think he's been hurt somewhat by the dominance of his team because he didn't play the fourth quarter. Obviously he didn't get the stats, but the other thing he didn't get to show me was what do you do under pressure? What do you do when your team needs you in the fourth quarter to lead a drive down the field? 
he didn't have the opportunity. Kyler Murray had to do it almost every week. Correct. So like his, the fact that his team wasn't as good defensively, I think really helped Kyler Murray. And I think that should matter. Like there was multiple plays in the West Virginia game, even in their loss, when they were down four touchdowns at Texas, he brought them back single-handedly. Right. Pushed the game to where it had to go to overtime, and then Texas obviously won. But even in his loss, he brought them back to a position where they were right there. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins, I'm glad you brought it up because he's been incredible. Kyler Murray, I also think, without question, Kyler Murray is the most exciting, With dynamic legs, player. Yeah, dude, like, I think that's not most, even close. Right. And then you start diving into more what the Heisman Trophy looks like. What's nuts about this year's award if these guys are playing the way they did and the other two aren't there, like they're all worthy of Heisman Trophy. Sure. In their own individual. Like I hate it for them because if they're doing this in any other year. They're all Heismans. They're all Heismans. And they all are worthy of that. And somebody's going to get left out, which is never fun. I do think Vegas has it right that they will give it to Kyler Murray. And that last weekend will have made that big of a push for him. And I do think what also is going to have an impact down the season is Tua's high ankle sprain which they're saying now surgery has been reported. I do not think he's a lock to be at a, a, a position to play like effectively like he did all season long. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. High ankle sprains in general uh, aren't two-week injuries. They linger. They are something that usually takes three, four weeks. But when you talk about cutting someone open, I would always challenge the notion that any kind of surgery you're gonna, at a lower, leg extre- lower extremity, you're going to be able to play football at a high level in two weeks. All right, let me ask you a question. <laughs> I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I want to try to play devil's advocate. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, so close to the Heisman Trophy. I'm out. What if he can come back, win a Heisman, potentially win a national championship, and he would still get paid if he did all that? I'm out. You're out. You're yeah, passing Danny, no matter what. I, I'm not. I don't think. I think you're underestimating the value of being a Heisman Trophy. The rest of your life, oh, you'll okay. be able to show up at some mall and. Columbus and sign autographs for twenty. But there's always there's always going to be a a, there's always going to be a Dwayne Haskins, if you will, right? That that we didn't see coming into the season doing (laughs) this, and it might do it, and and so it's not a lock that you win the Heisman because there's going to be somebody next year that just hits the scene, and you can't control that. You can control what you do to some degree. So I wouldn't roll the dice on that, and I'm certainly not rolling the dice on my injury because that fame that I get from like winning the Heisman, like if I'm the number seven pick. Go to the Giants, take over for Eli Manning, and win win Super Bowls with the Giants. I'll have that despite right. not having the Heisman. So I'm out. So Kyler Murray is playing better than Baker Mayfield when he won. I was just going to ask you that. Oh, he's playing. He put up better numbers. May, Baker had the most efficient season we've seen in the history of college football. And then all Kyler Murray does is come and one up some. Uh, just and I think it was the rushing yardage that actually add him made it look a little bit better. Right. And then you compare it to Lamar Jackson, it's not even close. Although Lamar had fifteen hundred yards rushing. Like that yeah. he was I think he was second or third in the country in rushing yardage alone, uh, from his season when he won the Heisman Trophy. But if you put him historically, like he's winning it like hands down. And not playing football anymore. <laughs> I know, that's like, crazy. That's fantastic. He's gonna do a Charlie Ward. Like he's gonna go play baseball for the A's and he's gonna make a lot more money doing that, just like Charlie I the game is changing, and yeah. guys, teams are willing to take more of a risk on smaller type guys. But even Kyler looks small. On yeah, he the does. Field. Yeah, he does. He looks small, where it makes me wonder how much success he would. Uh, you know where he's not going to have success with Cincinnati Bengals because he's not going to go. He's going to go play for the A's. <laughs> but they, uh, Marvin Lewis, long one of the longest tenured coaches right. in the NFL, 
has gotten a pass for a long time because he's always been pretty good. Yeah. Hasn't been able to elevate his team to that next level. He was asked if he's had any assurances from the, uh, the front office that he would be around for the rest of the season with his team slumping. He said, quote, no, I wouldn't expect or ask for any of those. Least of my worries. When he asked if he would be coaching next season, he said, my job is coach football team. No surprise. They're sitting at five and seven. They've lost four straight. 0-7 in the playoffs. They've made the playoffs 7 to 15 years. Every single year I look at this and I'm like, oh, there's no way he's going to make it. And every single, he's not going to make it through, you know, entirety. And every single year I'm sitting there thinking, Mangles are more loyal than any organization and he comes back. Um, I think this will be the year where you can't say that. I think they wind up moving on. Um, every organization has like a goal, right? Like you want to win a Super Bowl. Uh, but you have that secondary goal. Like, look, we're realistic. We're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. Let's just be, like, either exciting. Like, Mike D'Antoni's thing was, like, if you're not going to win a championship, then let's be exciting. You right. know what I mean? Like, so people want to watch and tune in and fans will come out. And so maybe the Bengals was, like, look, we're not winning a championship. Just let's be a playoff team. Let's be, a like, an upper, you know, uh, level team, which means, you know, we're in the top half of the league. We make the playoffs. But eventually that wears out. And when you get in seven times and you're 0-7 – there's, um, there's something missing, and yep. you gotta be if 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 you really are invested in the fans there in Cincinnati, you probably owe it to them to try to find the guy that can get you over that hump. Five and seven this year. I think sometimes it just becomes so obvious. I think this might be that year where it just kind of goes downhill, yeah. and then it makes it easy on the uh, Bengals to make that move. All right, let's get over to Hannah for socially relevant. All right, you guys know I'm going to start with this one. I'm excited to talk about it. I feel like I'm the only one who's been on board for Kawhi Leonard's New Balance deal. And yesterday, he blessed us all with this whole new fit. Check out those New Balance threads. He's got that retro track look. I love the shoes. Guys, I don't think this is that bad. Nah, look, I've never had a beef with the New Balance, like, off-course swag, like with the old-school runners and stuff like yeah. that. So that's all great. The problem is he's got to strap on some clunky orthos to go play basketball in. That's the problem. <laughs> we don't know yet that, that yet. Oh, like, they're I orthos. Like gear right there. No, that gear is – that's fly. That's yeah, fine. It looks good. Wait till you see the orthos he puts on. <laughs> hey, New Balance, send us some. We'll try out. Oh, we'll make please, them look good. Yeah, no please, doubt. Please, give to the needy. All right, former NFL running back Marshall Falk isn't staying shy about his opinion on quarterback deals. Falk made what he considered to be an accurate list of all the teams in the league that have paid their quarterbacks but that slowly have fallen apart due to the inability to build any kind of team around that quarterback. He thinks that this is slowly killing franchises. So he tweeted this out saying, quote, so no one will say anything about what's going on with today's NFL. You pay a quarterback $100 million to watch your team slowly fall apart because you can't pay other players. Lions, Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks, Giants, Dolphins, Raiders, and now Packers. Who's next? The Vikings. So, Danny and Roger, do you see any truth behind Falk's opinion on the impact of quarterback deals here? Some truth. I would say some of those deals aren't the $100 million deals. Like Tannehill, the number was come out as 100, but the guarantee was only 60. My question to Marshall Falk would be, well, what do you do? Like, do you go out and you try to draft a young guy and just win with him in his rookie contract and then you know part what, ways and start over again? You know what you do? What? You set the market as franchises. You don't pay any of them $100 million, right? Like, right. you've set that market. That's why it continues to climb. So if you value, like, the running back position like they did with Le'Veon Bell at set amount and we ain't going no higher, do it with quarterbacks. Just do it at a lower number so that you can then spread the wealth out around the team and you don't 
There's always a market for quarterbacks. No, I hear you. Redskins were in that position with Kirk Cousins, and they were like, eh, we like him, but we don't want to give him $100 million. Kept watching him, kept watching, and then they lost him because another team was ready to give him 84. But my, my point is, like, there's no honor amongst thieves, so there's always going to be someone who's going to do that. I hate but that. your question as to how do, how do you how do you build a team is it would take a, a, a league-wide thing to reset the quarterback market where you could, like, have it reasonable enough that you could then spend on the rest of your team. Here's what I would look at a guy like Flacco because it hurt the Ravens. Uh, Matt Ryan, it hurt the Falcons. They have not been as good. At what point, as a quarterback, do you say— Never. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Never, that. bro. What but, you... Like, what about your longevity? What about your legacy? What about your health? I would say, you know what? Do I really need 30 mil a year? Let me do it for 22 a year, and that 8 mil I can give to a left tackle who can protect my backside. If I've already made 100 million, yeah, I'll do that. Right. But, well, that's but, what like, Brady has like, done. He's yeah. Taking, not, he's not giving you exactly bargains. It's not like he's playing for league minimum. He's still making a boatload of money. Yeah. But he has taken friendlier deals than most quarterbacks. And I think he's probably frustrated because they haven't given him the weapons that he's still looking for in that spot. Yeah, well. It definitely is a real issue for him. Well, speaking of taking issues, so Real Madrid and Croatia midfielder Luka Modric won the 2019 Ballon d'Or, becoming the first player other than Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo to claim the award in more than a decade. But one of the big questions of the night was, where in the world is Neymar? Well, he wasn't seated in the auditorium during the ceremony because he was at home instead playing the good old game of Call of Duty. Outside of the fact that this is Call of Duty and not Fortnite, this is something I think you guys can relate to. Um, no doubt. Like, I mean... <laughs> Neymar, what is better than being snubbed for an award and not caring? <laughs> Just exactly. Like, absolutely. Let me sit here and play some, the, some Call of Duty. Exactly. Those award ceremonies, they're kind of stuffy anyway. Yeah. They're like formalities. You just want to get it yeah. so you can say it. And especially if you don't, yeah, I'm staying home. I'm cool. I hate award shows. So I've yes. always hated them. <laughs> Lastly, this story is just too good to pass up. So Bryce Hopper attended a Florida Georgia Line concert in his hometown of Las Vegas, and he stumbled upon a St. Louis native who might have tried to recruit the free agent slugger to the Cardinals. Take a look at this. Cardinal fans, yo, I'm here with the hottest free agent to be, my man Bryce Hopper. Listen, Bill, Mr. DeWitt, call me. I got this. All right, I'm doing all the negotiations. He just need a little convincing, man. That's all, man. They don't know. He knows. That was rapper Nelly, who was trying to recruit Harper, so Cub star Chris Bryant was also in attendance for this country grammar meetup. I think Nelly was also trying to become the GM as well in that conversation. It's a little unclear, but all I'm saying is if Nelly asked if I want to go and take a ride with him, I would go. <laughs> there you go. The question is, is Nelly willing to write that check for 300 mil that Bryce Harper is going to be looking to cash? It must be the money. Better than quarterback money. <laughs> it must be the money because no that's what it's going to come down to, and I don't think St. Louis is cutting that check. Danny, can you just use one Nelly song as a pun right now? Just one. <laughs> Not like you can. I didn't prep as much as you did. Must uh, be the money was Deion Sanders, though, just so you know. Sounds like you're in a dilemma. That's all for Social Relevant. <laughs> 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 I hate myself. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up next, it's time to run through today's leftovers, including some FSU talk, which I'm sure Danny has a heavy opinion on. Come on back to Off the Bench. All right, welcome back. Let's finish off some leftovers. Your kids still believe in Santa Claus? Hopefully they're not watching, by the way. Yes. Um, you managed to pull that off. I don't know. Really? Like, no, my 11-year-old looks at me. He's 11. And I told my wife, like, this is selfish. Because she's like, dude, we need, like, come on, he can't go. I'm like, dude, just give me one more year. <laughs> just give me one more of, like, coming out with the camera. And... You have Elf on the Shelf? What? Yes. <laughs> it, scares, it scares the living hell out of my nine-year-old. My, my yeah. six-year-old, she's terrified. If you put yeah. it anywhere near her room, she ain't sleeping in her room. <laughs> it becomes such a pain because you have to move it every night, obviously. 
sometimes you forget and then you have to wake up and you're running around trying to scramble to do it. I've moved to turn the day though. Like ours has magical oh, dude, powers mean, where he moves. Uh, like my six year old hadn't figured it out. He'll come out and be like, dad, uh, how come we call him blink blink? How come blink blink didn't move? And like 10 minutes later, blink blink's moved. I'm like, hey, look, buddy, he's moved. He's like, oh, blink blink. <laughs> that was a quick trip yeah. to North Pole for sure. <laughs> blink blink. Ours is William. William. <laughs> yes. I like blink blink way better. Oh. Um, so Florida State, uh, in a little bit of a tumultuous season. They mm-hmm. break the streak, the record, uh, bowl streak consecutive mm-hmm. years. Willie Taggart, there was a lot of people concerned about that. Well, he's going to have a job to fill on his staff because their offensive coordinator, Walt Bell, has headed off to UMass. Okay. Walt Bell was a guy who they brought in from Maryland. I covered him while he was at Maryland. I just talked to him a couple weeks ago when I was in Tallahassee. Yeah. Very impressive. You talk about like young, hot names that people want to hire. He was one of them. And it's not surprising to me at all that he got plucked from Florida State to take a head job at UMass. Well, I am a little confused. Right. Just because, like, I watched the Florida State offense this year. Yes. Um, and they're the numbers. Like, I didn't even do this on purpose, but 115th in the country points per game, 130 yards per game, yes. 128, 127th in rush yards per game. So I would then ask the question to UMass. <laughs> so what did you see? What did you see? <laughs> and no disrespect. I don't know Walt Bell, but, right. like, what was it that was No, it, it is his resume he's okay been to a lot of different places it's his reputation okay and if you were walt bell you would say i only called plays the last two games like that's what you would that would be your way out okay. if you say hey i was here but i think also florida state's issues and this is why i'm not ready to throw in the talent willie taggart yeah they were the offensive line was that bad where it was that significant where you just it was gonna hurt the numbers no matter what don't any way you split it it was gonna be a rough year speaking of throwing in yeah you ready to throw your name in the ring <laughs> for you throwing your name in I do think this is a, a really important hire yeah. that Willie Taggart has to make. Okay. I'd call some plays Willie? if they wanted to. Okay, Willie. Um, so here's what, no, I do think it's a crucial hire because Willie was willing, Coach Taggart was willing to open it up and say, all right, maybe some of it was me, maybe let's Correct. examine. I do think it's going to be Respect integral. for that. Yeah, me yeah. too. I thought it was him self-evaluating. He was calling out players saying, if we're this bad, we need to make changes and he was willing to say, I want to look at myself, which I think will earn him some points in the locker room, yep, too, yep. if guys are saying that, too. But I do think you're Florida State. I do think you have top-tier talent from based on recruiting. I do think he'll be able to hire a good young name, just like they brought Walt Belt in. Right. And I think it's integral because if they're willing, if he's willing to get input, let's bring in some of there who will challenge him and might even be able to call the play successfully sure. for Florida State. Sure. So I do think that'll be something interesting well, to watch out for. Miami um – is in need too. Like we're in a similar situation. No, but no, I don't mean any. I'm not, I'm not throwing they shade. They fire anybody? They, I don't think they fired him, but they've lost a lot of recruits lately. I think they've lost five uh, recruits, and they're like number thirty nine and twenty nine in different like recruiting services in terms of like recruiting classes, and that's just not good enough for Miami. Right. Their offense was also like pretty abysmal this year. Although, I mean, you know, quarterback play wasn't great, but general play calling looked like, looked to be an issue. And and I think Mark Rick, although I like Mark Rick and I'm not calling for his head or anything, right. I think he should get himself a, he needs a good, innovative young OC. And he needs to he need to examine his staff. But one of the reasons he lost out on Kelly Bryant, uh, reportedly, is Kelly Bryant, who was at Clemson, yeah. you're there, was talking to Mark Rick and said, what type of offense are you going to run? Mark Rick said, I'm going to stay true to style, pro style, Sorry. not as innovative. And Kelly Sorry. Bryant said, all right, I'm going to go somewhere else. Correct. As he's looking to announce somewhere else. So yeah, I think you have to be willing to self-evaluate and innovate with the times. Cause these trends that Lincoln Riley, these offenses, they are working yeah. at other schools with lesser talent. You should be maximizing your talent at Miami more so than what they showed this past year. Dude, you know, it's, it's been really interesting to me. Like with my first son, he's 11 now. Um, 
like I've got like their high schools that'll come up to me like and they'll already start selling what they're running. Right. Like no real talk. As yes. an eleven year old, they're already selling, like, look, this is what this is what we do. And it is innovative stuff. Real and, and as a dad, like like I'm not even thinking about that for him right now. But the point is, I do look at it and say, hmm, like what would be the best for him in quarterback? Do I want him to run a damn double wing? Right. Like, do you know what I mean? No. Right. Like I want to put him in something that, that that could be fun for me to watch and for him to succeed in. And it used to be a selling point. You would say, Well, I run an NFL style system that'll help you get to the NFL. But if you watch the trend in, in the NFL, they're stealing concepts from college. So now you want to be saying, Hey, we're running the same thing the Rams Correct. are running. We're running the same thing the Chiefs are running. Yeah. Not we're running what the Cowboys ran in the 90s. Adapt with the times, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't do it, uh, you're going to find yourself out of a job. So every coach needs to evaluate that. Miami, Florida State, and everybody else. All right. Urban Meyer, no longer coach at Ohio State. A lot more of that on CBS Sports. No doubt. Mm-hmm.